Welcome to Songwriter Trysts, an intimate podcast that is connecting songwriters from all over the world. I'm singer-songwriter Ray Lee and your host for this show. Music saved my life and I want to talk to other songwriters about the power of songwriting, talk about their journey and how they got to where they are today. This is a safe space to share stories, lessons and emotions, all the great things that build an amazing song. If you're enjoying the show and you want to support the vision, you can buy me a coffee as a once-off or you can become a monthly subscriber through the website songwritertrists.com. Welcome to A Songwriter Trist with Kat Cunning. How are you? Hi, I'm so good. It's a pleasure to be on with you. We mainly just want to find out more about you and and how you got into this crazy industry. But why don't you start by telling us a little bit about who you are and where you come from? I come originally from Oregon. I made a joke the other day. I have to do slates as an actor all the time where I say a short list of things about myself. So I say I'm Kat Cunning. I'm 5'6". I'm based in New York and LA. And then I started to riff on it. And I was like, and I was born under a full moon with the umbilical cord wrapped around my neck. Those things are true. But yeah, I'm from Oregon. And I was, I grew up there as a dancer. And then when I was 14, I came to New York to continue dancing at the Joffrey Ballet. And I think I can segue this into the other question, which is how I got into music. It's a long story. We can get into it if you want. But basically, I was just desperate to be a dancer. Mm -hmm. And I told the first dance company that hired me, I told them that I could sing in an effort to keep the job Mm -hmm. as a dancer. And they gave me a solo after hearing me record a video of myself singing in my house. It was a very like informal, scrappy way to get my first singing gig. And it just went really well. And I haven't really looked back since then. It's been an interesting transition from a life of being really expressive physically, but not having a voice to finding so much more of a home and being like a communicator as a singer and an actor. You're a singer, you're an actor, you're a dancer, and you're still dancing because we can tell. But <laughs> so, so songwriting and singing was just like, I want to, you know, I need to sort of stand out from the crowd and, and I still want to really do this. And I guess you just wanted to add that to your bow. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's not because I didn't love singing. I just absolutely never thought I'd be received <laughs> positively for how I sing. I, my parents used to tell me to keep my day job when I was oh, in the car. Thanks, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think everybody just really thought dance was the thing. And yeah. so nobody paid any attention to the singing. And then, you know, as I was growing up in New York also, I hustled really hard. And I think like singing became this really cathartic thing for me. Even just as I commuted, mm. I would sing in the subways when the train was passing so that nobody could hear me. And just like letting my sound out felt like a really important thing for me to try to do. I was really afraid to use my voice. Yeah, it's so therapeutic in so many ways. And people are starting to recognize that. I think that singing and chanting and letting your voice out is so good for you. It's Yeah, I mean, it's like a, it's an excuse to breathe also. (laughs) Which we don't do enough of, (laughs) even though there's really no reason why. Yeah. Do you know when like arts and dance and acting kind of started for you and music kind of is there a moment in your oh, yeah, the life yeah the beginning. 
I didn't, the beginning. My mom used to talk to me about how I would just cry until she put a ballet video on as a toddler. She finally Aww. discovered that after renting a, a library video of the ballet, like, I think it was the Bolshoi, mm. that I would stop crying when she put those on. And so she put me in dance classes when I was three. Mm. And obviously nobody's very serious about anything at age three. Yeah. But I just like never left. I started lying to my parents about what time my dance classes started so I could just be at the studio all day. What, what were you like that? That's were amazing. you like really serious about it really young, you reckon? Did you take it seriously? Yeah. And I definitely always stuck out like a sore thumb. Yeah. I have like a, yeah. And I think that's so exciting that she has a different movement quality. I feel, you know, ballet is like super important for structure and for taking care of your body and being stable it's like technique mm. but so cool if she has an instinct to move a certain type of way to like hone that i have a long speaking of sticking out like a sore thumb i have <laughs> a long history of things going horribly wrong on stage but it was it's kind of like my charm and my luck like i remember when i was like five my mom wanted allowed me to wear this ring that was like a family ring and she taped it so much so it would stay on because I wanted to feel fancy for the show and at the very beginning I lose the ring and I spend the whole time looking for the ring no. and as I get older no but it's like funny I like made it work and I still danced or something <laughs> I don't know I thrive in a crisis that's amazing but yeah I've always I don't know I remember one of my college dance teachers said to me like early on and in, in my time there he stopped the class and was like this watch them this person is a mess, but they're dancing. I think that's so valuable. Like you can always learn how to ground yourself, but I definitely moved passionately and messy, messily. And I feel like that's really similar to how I sing still. And I think it makes me an exciting performer. And what about songwriting? How did that start for you? Songwriting actually felt like more approachable to me than even singing did because mm -hmm. the one other thing that I did my whole life growing up was write poetry. And I took writing very seriously. Like I think, you know, as a dancer, you sort of think your career is going to end at 30. So I still was <sighs> yeah. like, I'll be a writer. And I, I was a talented writer and had teachers want me to go to school for writing instead of dance. And I didn't. So by the time the opportunity to sing came along, I was like, cool, I can make my poems into songs. Yeah, And that's proven to be like a really cool and interesting journey because I'm like unlearning the cleverness of poetry mm -hmm. when I write pop songs and I'm really passionate mm -hmm. about that about unlearning. Like even the poems cleverness yeah yeah even the poems that I love are poems that are not too smart for the reader because I think you can be so like subtle with what is smart or like things that poems that focus on not being exclusionary to mm. the smartest person in the room. Um, mm. Like, I, I need to look up who wrote this, but one of my favorite poems is called The Iceberg Theory. And it's mm -hmm. just an ode to why iceberg lettuce is good enough. And everybody who hates all these hates on iceberg lettuce is just a snob, but they're missing out on all the glad. <laughs> I'm passionate about bringing what is amazing about fine art to the mainstream. And that's why trying to write pop music is so exciting to me because that's the music that's for everybody. And I have lived yeah. a like niche fine art, like queer culture life. But mm. I also know that as a person from a small town, I really gravitated towards these stories of those artists. And there's got to be mm. some somebody who's the liaison between that life and 
the people who want to dream about it. You like dumb TV like I do. You think freckles and sweats are cute. You like long drives and making out to Stevie Nicks. And I do too. You are a princess and a frog. You say my crazy turns you on. You are a beauty when you sleep. I'm a beast, but I've been burnt before And you've been hurt a thousand times, yeah But I'm still learning how to curb the flame before the fire Take it slowly I'm definitely like, I lean towards making everyone comfortable To an extent that I'm just like not cool sometimes If there's somebody <laughs> in the room who's cool and there's if like Bella Thorne's in the room but also like my cousins in the room that I've never met before I'll yeah. make a fool of myself to make them laugh like I always lean toward like to my own That's nice. <laughs> demise sometimes. Yeah. I don't know I can be a jester for the people in the room who are uncomfortable for sure but I'm passionate about making everybody feel welcome and like I'm passionate about like encouraging people to use their voices or their skills at whatever level they're at because I just feel really connected to trying things throughout my life that I didn't know how to do and yeah. how much I would be missing out on if I got shot down at every turn, you know? That's beautiful. I love I think that's a really good attitude to have. And with your music now that you're releasing and you've got some really cool stuff out there, what is it in your music that you want your audience to connect to? I think there's two sides like when I first started writing, I was definitely just, I want to remind people there's a place for them and sort of that same attitude that I just spoke about, like welcoming the lowest common denominator to mm -hmm. rise up. But I feel like now after writing for that for a while, mm -hmm. I felt like there was a whole half of my personality missing. And that half is, I don't really know how to describe it. But when I first started singing in the city, I was singing Lana Del Rey songs while staring people down without ever smiling and hardly trying. And I have a, like a very mean, disaffected, like confident as fuck persona as well. That's yeah. very inspired by like the genre of pop music cockiness. Okay. And so I think I also want to be an example of strength mm -hmm. in expressing that side of myself too. And that was the thing that when I looked at my EP last year, I was like, these are all sappy ballads and they're great. They're valuable. But like, I have this whole other side of my personality that I love performing in mm. and I love challenging people to get with. And so I want to make people feel welcome. And I also want to make people feel sexy and I want to challenge them. Mm. And I want to be an example of confidence. Tell me about co-writing. Have you done much co-writing with your music? Yeah, all of my songs are co-written because I dance my whole life and don't know how to play an instrument. Okay, cool. Yep. I mean, there are a couple of songs that I actually, at the beginning of my career, just improved into a camera and then nice. took to a pianist. Yeah, okay. So they would be like, yeah, these seem like the chords underneath this song. But from Jump, I was in studios with writers and I've been really lucky to co-write with Great writers off the mm. bat. I just wrote my latest single, Could Be Good, with Amy Wodge, who's like very well known, especially for writing with Ed Sheeran. Wow. And I wrote with a lot of cool people in the UK. Mm. I, I always think of them as Aj and Jim, but like Aj Buffon <laughs> and Jim Dugoid. They're really great writers yeah. that I wrote Birds with, Martin Tarif, 
helped me produce Birds and I wrote a couple of other songs with him. Yeah. He's an incredible writer. So yeah, I've had a lot of co-writes mostly with writers versus producers. Most of my mm. songs have been like produced afterwards because at the beginning of writing, hearing a track was really distracting to me and I wanted to learn my voice as more of a poem with just like the bones of the chords under it. Yeah, cool. And how did you get your writing opportunities? Because these are some big ones. Did you sign up to a publishing agency or...? I did, yeah. Because of the show I was performing in, I did one like YouTube session called Rec Room Sessions and Camuccelli from Vell Publishing found it, brought me into his office, asked me to play him some songs. And I had yeah. written a couple of songs at that point with one person who I wrote Wild Poppies with, yes, yeah. Chris Coip. And basically he was like, you're talented and you need to hone this and Aww, sign me nice. and sent me on my first writing trip, which was so special. That's incredible. Oh, I'm so glad that, Yeah, I think that the right people come into our lives at the right time. And it sounds like that was exactly what you needed. I'm so glad because yeah, like even could be good. Like that's such a beautiful song. And that can, is, that's a COVID yeah. song, isn't it? It's a COVID song. Yeah. <laughs> what sort of, what inspired this one? I had been in a five-year relationship mm-hmm. with my drummer and it was very, it was an incredible relationship, very codependent teammates for life. Mm-hmm. And that was like COVID happening. We both got COVID at the beginning of mm. COVID yeah. and, and in spending all that time quarantine in the house, we both just kind of looked at each other and we're like, we're not really partner love anymore. Mm. And we broke up. And while we were in the house together, still a friend of mine suggested <laughs> basically was like, she didn't tell me that she did this, but she told the person in question that I would be a good hookup for them. No strings hookup. Cause I've also been open in my relationships and I love sex and I'm very open about all that. So she was like, you want to have a hookup? This is a person you should talk to in the future. And then we just started chatting on audio message and never stopped. Yeah. Um, and so basically the person I started to fall for over quarantine, over three months of not even having met her. Once I finally did meet her, I wrote this song pretty much immediately after because our chemistry was amazing. And the night was like something I hadn't felt in a long time because in my relationship, I was very, it was a very best friend love at a certain point. Mm. And so by the time that I like met the girl I was falling for, I was like, wow, I haven't felt like, like, a connection of romance and also a connect like physical connection in a long time. And it just was very explosive and I was nervous and it was just like the whole, the way that the day made me feel was obviously not like I'm going to marry you after one day of meeting (laughs) you, but this could be good. And I was so hell bent on writing a darker song. Like I was saying, I wanted to round out the other side of my personality in the EP. But then I met her and I was just, I got onto the first zoom session with Amy Wodge and I was like, honestly, I'm just so happy. I just want to write something happy. It'll be good. And then I basically just wrote the exact details of the night that I met her. Wow. And does she know? What did she think of the song? Oh yeah, she knows. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of I'm sensitive about putting music out about people because I've been in a couple songs by other people and most people think it's like an incredible honor to be immortalized in music mm-hmm. I feel kind of like why didn't I get a cut like I inspired you <laughs> 100%. so I asked her about it and I played it for her and made sure that it didn't make her feel too exposed and got her permission if you see the video she's 
in it. That song is dedicated to all the time we spent in the pandemic on road trips and just wow. she's also an artist. So mm. the pandemic was a really it was a really special opportunity for both of us to slow down that would never have happened otherwise. Yeah. And we were lucky to have each other as company in like enjoying the quietness of the world for a little while. That's beautiful. And I think that a lot of people experienced the beauty and quietness of the world for a little while. And I think we maybe all needed it because, gosh, the pressure and the rat race, mm-hmm. like it, compared to what happened when everyone just stopped, it's like mm-hmm. stop and breathe for a second, you know, and check what are you doing with your life? Are you happy? Yeah, that's such a beautiful story. And you kind of give me chills. And I'm so happy for you. Oh. I love that. I love it when people find that connection and I think yeah it's not like I'm a believer that you can have that connection with multiple people I don't think it's one of those things where you just find one person but yeah those moments when you do connect in just take you to a whole whole other level of consciousness which is beautiful tell me what the best advice is you've ever been given around music around music I mean, this one's hard to take because I feel like I never anticipated music being one of my outlets or my whole career, but just be yourself and don't compromise. I feel like every day I'm learning what I like. Mm. And so sometimes I go back and forth on the way a mix sounds like way longer than I'm allowed to. And I'm like, well, what is me? And so sometimes it's a panic inducing thought because like you also are writing down the process of who you are. and, And at a certain point it's worth releasing the process. But I do still think that to not compromise who you are as an artist is the valuable thing. I don't know. A part of me, it like really just wanted to be a Backstreet Boy when I was little. That's the only like time that I dreamed of doing music. Yeah. Yeah. But that's as much as they are all individual, they also are like cogs in a machine that Mm. work together that everybody else tells them what to do. And that's one route. And I'm like, I'm an adult with a lot of life experience that I'm going to write down. And that makes me an artist. And so I have to honor what, I mean, not to say the Backstreet Boys aren't artists, but it's just a different approach, you know, to a certain package versus what I do definitely feels more like my responsibility at this point is to tell my life Mm. story in a way that is generous and real. And so it, it gets difficult to not compromise that when Music is so exciting and there are so many options. So I guess like in not compromising myself, the struggle is like analyzing yourself all the time. What is myself with all of these options in music? And when I could just have fun being like chameleonic and I sometimes want to put a song from every genre on my record, I also want to create a package that will succeed, you know? (laughs) Support you and be a business and be commercially viable, but at the same time, be honest. Yeah, and also more so than anything, I want it to get to the world. Mm. So I, it's easy for me to indulge in the artier niche side of things and just say, that is cool. I like that's a vibe. Yeah. (laughs) But I also know that the songs that I want to sing at karaoke are just like copyrights that are life-changing, that are in our heads forever and they're singular and they're daring and not a vibe. So figuring out who I am so I don't compromise who I am. (laughs) It's, yeah, I think it's good to have all aspects as an artist because that's how people get to know you and all the sides of who you are. So that's really cool. 
Yeah, and they're they are all valid. It's the Rihanna Diamond song. Sorry, Brian. Loki, when that comes yeah. on in the club, I cry. <laughs> like, <Obviously>. why? <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, who knows? Like, music's so fun, whether it's happy or sad, depending on the context you're putting it in. All right. So, if you could give one piece of advice to your younger self, or you know, or any teenagers or people who are out there who are just starting out in their music career and their songwriting life, what would you say to them? Well, I'll take it as two questions. Advice for my younger self would be like, just go on the journey of your body developing. Mm. It's terrifying. When I first got my boobs, I was just like, these are so hard and huge and in the way. And like they change over time. Spoken like a true dancer. (laughs) Yeah. It's like your body changes over time. So just rock with it and Mm. get through it and don't overthink it and don't try to change it because, I mean, Mm. you can try to stay healthy or whatever, but don't try to morph it because you're just fucking up the work in progress. Just ride the wave of your situation and you'll end up where you're supposed to be and eat a sandwich in the meantime. And for people starting to write music, I think if you want to figure out what, I think I would come at it from a poetry place and say, really literally observe the details of your life. I think sometimes the most exciting, juicy sentences are just like things you accidentally said or things you see in the room. Mm. I think like putting down the nuances of the human experience in a poem or in music is what makes something exciting to me. Like when I read a poem that's Mm. very specific about what someone else is going through, even if I'm not in a room with a blue countertop, it lights my brain up and makes me Mm. see the brown countertop in my room. You know, like those little details, I think put people in a place. And even if they're really specific, they can take you away. I am that like, I'm interested in that kind of tactile writing versus super, like, for example, I have a song that's not out yet. It's called Planetarium and it's all of it's a space metaphor. Um, Mm -hmm. And I feel like we hear like about the stars and the moon and the sun and music all the time because there are these like gigantic universal concepts that are dreamy and Mm. they feel expansive. Well, Supernova is another example of a song that's like references space but like just really eat the shit out of the metaphor that you're attacking and don't be afraid to do that and also take real life really explicitly i'm going to use that (laughs) myself if you could co-write with anyone in the world dead or alive who would you want to write with and why at this moment alive i would say rosalia because i'm so inspired by her dance career and her the passion she puts into the work and I don't know. I relate to the character of that is manifested from the human she is. Yeah. And I love, love, love the music. And then dead, I would say Freddie Mercury. Yeah. What a fucking writer. Like, yeah. oh, I don't right. know. Just what a fucking He was writer. so poetic though as well. So poetic while somehow keeping it really fucking universal when it counted. Like we are the champions. Yeah. It's not an obscure lyric. No. But yeah, the lyrics surrounding were so theatrical and like somehow as a queer as fuck. <laughs> weirdo. He's the bar song, all the douchebags, you know, like he's yeah. written all those hits oh, that absolutely. like embody like m- masculine gusto somehow. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, this is so inspiring and like the, to write from such a like break the roof open place of dreaming is really inspiring Mm. to me. So what have you got coming up this year? What's next steps for you? I have a song coming 
up soon called Boys. And it is mm-hmm. an anthem that I wrote for trans masculine people. That's the twist. It, the hook in the song is Beautiful Boys. And it's an homage to the first trans masculine person I met and fell in love with. And also I wrote yeah. it a couple years ago on that first writing trip and held on to it until now because I really wanted to release it with the support of a label. But basically it... Sometimes as songwriters, we we write premonitions and I hadn't yet come out Mm. as non-binary and I'm trans-masculine leaning. So the song is also Mm -hmm. sort of like a love note to myself. Yeah, but it's about getting out of wherever you are if it's not a healthy place for you or a nurturing place for you and knowing that you can find a community that will mirror you and support you is really just like for all those queer spaces that nurtured me that's so true but i also feel like it's kind of got like fast car vibes it's also just get out of your shitty situation (laughs) you're worth more yeah i love that you're always worth more especially if you're listening to the wrong people yes so yeah that's (laughs) coming next as a single around all the happenings of pride and then i'm really working on like the final steps of making sure i have an ep that i'm ready to make as my statement debut ep and it'll be coming sometime soon after that. But yeah, I've written a lot in the pandemic and I have songs I've held on to since the beginning of writing. And I still feel like I have a little bit more to write. But at some point, it's just got to be given to the people because you can't hoard. You can't hoard it at a certain point. But I do feel like there's a little more I have to say. Well, we are pretty much done. Is there anything else you would like to say before we finish up? Let me think. I don't think so. <laughs> I think that was a really lovely chat. I'm so glad that... We did this. It was nice to come on the show. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm so honoured and I'm so glad that you shared what you shared so vulnerably and openly. And to me, that's what artistry is sharing vulnerably in public. So I really appreciate you doing that because it's not always easy. And yeah, you've really touched me. I, I'm really looking forward to sharing this. Thank you. Yeah, ditto. Thank you for creating such a safe space to do it. joining our songwriter Trist today. To join the family and keep up to date with future podcasts, you can follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram and Twitter. Please leave a review and subscribe. To support the podcast or contact me or our guests, please go to the website songwritertrists.com.